Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Vivian Vachon was my good friend. And I see her in you. And right now, you are bored. <laughs> I was like, yeah. What three wrestling matches would you watch if you were stranded on a desert island? This is what I'm asking wrestling's best. In the ring, around the ring, behind the scenes, or behind a microphone. I'm Tom Campbell. Thank you for joining me on Cultaholic Island for another episode of Desert Island Graps. From Denver, Pennsylvania, by way of Montreal, Quebec, Canada. Weighing in tonight at 150 pounds, she is the one-woman army, the one-woman revolution, Lufisto! Mephisto, how are we doing? Hi, not too bad, not too bad. Lots of things going on, but uh, things are moving up in Canada. Things are opening up again, so that's like... (laughs) Feels almost like normal life, doesn't it? It feels like we've almost got normality back. Oh my God, Just we just went to the restaurant for the first time this weekend, and like even if we're surrounded by plexiglass and we have to come in with our masks and everything, just the fact of just sitting there and enjoying a meal, like it was like wonderful and then the gym has been open like for a week now and it's just going out and actually see some friends and seeing something else than the four walls where i train in my home like just it makes you appreciate the little things that you didn't notice before but they're so like important to having a good life like just the little things and i mean that that's really something positive i think about this pandemic it opened up my eyes to things that matter that i was kind of you know not noticing before i was too busy or i think wrestling 24 7 <laughs> so but it, it made me appreciate more life as a you know normal human being <laughs> since you had all this downtime were you able to, to stop and watch eurovision I did not. I did when I was in UK. <laughs> I, I actually, um, I, I don't have cable and I don't watch much TV. Uh, I, I'll watch some YouTube stuff and like Cultaholic. <laughs> That's very <laughs> and, kind. Okay. But yeah, no, not not much of a TV person. Movies here and there, but yeah. A mutual um, friend of ours, a mutual friend of ours told me to, to drop in uh, the mention of Eurovision and Naked Attraction. 
oh my god <laughs> when i went to uk and i stayed with lee burton uh who used to run ring bells like a, a female website with, with two god bless him um and yeah he's like you have to see this like you have to see this <laughs> so he, we watched your revision and i was like amazed i'm like wow <laughs> this and you showed me the naked action thing i'm like I even I, I, I watched one episode. I was like, oh, I get it. I think I'm done. <laughs> but the thing that really got me hooked was the in-betweeners. I've watched oh. everything, including the movies while I wasn't in UK. I've watched them all. And now they're like, I think they're available on Prime now in Canada. It's like, I have to watch them again. <laughs> and uh, Lee and I always go like, hey. Friend. <laughs> oh, friend. <Yeah>. Oh, friend. <laughs> Part of normal life here in the UK is is leaning out of the car and shouting bus wankers. Bus so wankers. we're excited to get back to that now the world's opening up again. <laughs> but hey, look, we aren't here, Lefisto, to talk about bus wankers. Uh, we are here uh, to send you... Just because this is just what we need after... A year and a bit of being shut away, sending you onto a desert island. And uh, we're going to give you a DVD featuring three wrestling matches that you can watch whilst you are there. Lufisto, what would you like your first match to be? My first match, and it's the one that I always go to when I want to go back to a memory of what good wrestling was when I started wrestling. And to me, is like kind of a pinnacle of what good wrestling is and i always go back to owen art versus bret hart from wrestlemania 10 nice this work. to me is just it's flawless in a way that the way they work together the chemistry um the storyline that was behind it of you know brother in the shadow of the other brother and owen is so good as a heel and now there's things that i see that i did not when when i was just like when I was a fan and I was not a wrestler or with the years, I see even more stuff. Like as I gain more experience, the little thing he does, the, I, I call it like, like meat on the bones, like where the little thing he has between the moves and everything that makes this match like magical. And then the ending that's like surprising in the way, like people are like, yeah, shocked. like, this match definitely is is one of my favorite of all time. Is there a bit of meat on the bone that is particularly succulent to you, Lefisto? <laughs> <laughs> it's a weird analogy, but let's let's go with it. <laughs> it's yeah, it's you'll see Owen he does a move and then he stops and he looks at the crowd and he does another move and he's gonna you know, have that grin, lift, lift his arm, do a little woo. It's all the little, little things in between that the match has a flow that there's, there's, there's no downtime. There's always something happening. And like I said before, I didn't necessarily notice how he was working it and how it was important, those little things. But now I see it. And I'm like, these are things you have to do when you wrestle. Like, just make sure there's always something happening, even when there's nothing happening. With that match, can you remember where you were when you watched it for the first time? I 
I couldn't watch it live because uh, in Canada, it was really hard to get pay-per-views back then. So um, I, I think I ordered, <laughs> we were going back in time there, a VHS of Coliseum home videos. <laughs> nice. Because they had the whole, they had that little extra bits, didn't they? They had the home video exclusives, which would just be like, they chuck in a random interview or like a bit of like almost paparazzi-esque footage of somebody having having a strop backstage about something or other. Mm-hmm. But that was uh, totally worth it for the extra couple of quid. So you got it on Coliseum yeah, video. Yeah, Coliseum videos. And uh, I think like it was taking about at least two or three weeks for them to release them. And then for me to order from the States and then to Canada, like it took about a month I think, for me to watch the match after it was done because we can watch it live. And yeah, and... That, that's what I was doing every time I wanted to see a match. I, I would order the VHS. My God, VHS. That makes me feel so old. <laughs> hey, the kids won't know. The kids won't know the, uh, the the pressure of Be Kind Rewind. And they won't know, you know, the, 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 the heartbreak of trying to find a particular point in a film by having to do the tracking to freeze frame it. They don't know they're born. They don't know yeah, they're born. Yeah, and the being stuck, and you're crying, and you're trying to pull it without breaking it. Yeah. Same <laughs> getting wound. Some of them with tape. <laughs> oh, beautiful. There's some, there's some <laughs> Lefisto cuts of random wrestling yeah. tapes. <laughs> yeah. But 100% worth the time. Uh, so you've been bitten by the wrestling bug at this point then, by the time that Brett and Owen had rolled around. Can you remember when you first got bit by it? Um... I would say, well, I it, it's like a two-part thing because I was watching it. Like, my first memories of wrestling, I was watching with my grandma mm. back in the day. She loved Andre the Giant and Hulk Hogan, of course. And I liked, I liked Hogan, too. You know, I was about six years old or so, and I liked the Ultimate Warrior, and I like... I've always liked the bad guys, too, for some reason. Like, Roddy Piper <laughs> was, like... <laughs> I don't know. There was something about him, his grin, the way, I don't know. I can't, I can't say back then what I found because I think I didn't understand all the work behind it, but every, I love Roddy Piper. <laughs> there was Just, something about him that made him so great. Later, Jake the Snake, uh, really loved Jake the Snake when he bit Macho Man. That's like, that's something like I, I remembered. And I stopped watching wrestling for a while. I was really into music, play guitar and play bass in a band. And we fast forward to 94. Um, and my drummer was like, you got to see this guy. He puts people in caskets. <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> so The Undertaker really is the beginning of everything for me as a professional wrestler. Because I got so captivated by the character and everything he was doing and the reality of it. Um, Like even like today, we even know more than then that wrestling is scripted. And my grandma kept telling me it's scripted, it's scripted. (laughs) But like he wasn't in character 24 seven, you would see interviews and everything. And I was just mesmerized by him. Like they call him the phenom. And to me, he was, and um, the vignettes of him building the caskets and everything. And through him, and I was a big fan. I would buy like Undertaker t-shirts. I had a life-size stand-up on <laughs> the Undertaker. I got all the figurines. But at the same time, 
Alondra Blaze, Medusa, was there, and she had a feud with Bull Nakano. And that's where it's like, wow, this is, this is good. I've seen women's wrestling before, but nothing like this. This was more, everything they did was more detail, a little bit more violent, more like more intensity. And through them, I discovered Japanese wrestling. And that's where I was like, I want to be like them. And that's really how, that's like the process on me from The Undertaker to Alondra Blaze to Joshi Wrestling, wanting to be um, a professional wrestler. And one of my friend, Luke, he it was tape trading back then. So he would order Arsian tapes and All Japan and Gaia and all those things. And we would watch that together. And yeah, that's really the beginning of everything because I, I love wrestling, everything, but the women, I, I've always felt there was a little bit too uh, pretty, um, too, I don't know, there was something missing. But when I saw Japanese wrestling and that they were even more like intense than the men, they had that spark, they had that something. And it just like, I'm like, I want to be like this. Like this is, they're badasses. <laughs> yeah. um, what was your band called? The what? What was your band called? The band that you my were in. My band. My band. Oh my god. Let's go back uh, to the, the band. First... I want to find out more about the band. <laughs> the first one was called Anne's Bank because the drummer left uh, was was living on the bank of one city that's called St. Anne's here. It made no sense. <laughs> but I was the bass player. And the other one was called clownery, which was, it's like a word that we made with clowns, like evil clowns, whatever. It, it sounds terrible that I'm saying now, but, but the logos were cool. Cause I, I'm um, not to bury or it's myself, but I'm good, I'm good at drawing. I even won contests as a kid and stuff. So I would make those like crazy clowns and I would make the posters and everything. So they look cool. The name sucked, but the posters were cool when we were playing <laughs> and I was actually singing and playing bass. What were the ambitions of Anne's Bank and Clownery? Like, were you, were you throwing yourself into it? Was it like just a bit of a hobby thing? Was it something you wanted to do full time? Um, I'm not sure at this point. I probably, because I've always been attracted to everything around the stage. And I, when I was there and when I played, I really liked it. I think I was a little bit too shy back then. Hmm. Like wrestling really changed me. <laughs> but I feel like I was like, when I was singing, I would close my eyes instead of looking at people. <laughs> like, but um I don't know. I think I was too young to actually have a plan. Mm. <laughs> and but but I loved it. And I actually I stopped playing guitar for a while and I just bought like my boyfriend got me a new guitar as a gift just so I would go back to my first love because with the pandemic and not having wrestling, I felt really lost. Like the first months I was fine, but then I'm like, "Oh, what am I doing?" and it really started to to, to bother me and um, so he got me a guitar. It's like, what did you love? What would you love the most besides wrestling? And I'm like, I love heavy metal. Heavy metal is like my like heavy metal. There's, like, there's, Iron but... Maiden and everything. Like there's 
there's King Diamond, Iron Maiden, Slayer stuff all over my my basement. And so, and I was like, yeah, I, I miss playing guitar. I miss playing heavy metal. So got myself my um, dream guitar at Jackson because uh, I wanted a Jackson because Dave Mustaine played with Jackson when I <laughs> first discovered Megadeth. And it was always the guitar I wanted. So went back to that. Uh, what's your favorite song to play on the guitar? <sighs> right now, mm, I've been playing a lot of Judas Priest. I really like the Sentinel. That's that's the one I've been practicing and a little bit of Slayer. And um, I still remember pretty much all the Metallica songs. But right now, like, yeah, the Sentinel is the one that I've been playing a lot lately. Is that one that you could just easily just pick up and go, right, I'm just going to play this just to... No, not now. Like, it's I haven't been practicing as much as I want because mm. with my cat, uh, needing emergency surgery like I'm 24 7 looking at her yeah. and and it's like medicine and and eye drops and everything so I feel like I, I can just grab it and play play it because it's I, I need my I need my my tabs still to, to, to know where I'm going <laughs> but it feels good to have a guitar have a Jackson there and have that release when you want it though right yes exactly yes Something, as much as we love wrestling it's good to have things in in our lives that aren't wrestling even when you Absolutely. love it you need it uh, with with uh, you fell in love with it with the, the Japanese wrestling style, as you were saying, like a lunge of blaze, Bull Nakano pulls you into that. But when was the moment where you kind of went from, I, I like watching this, but now I, I want to do that. I want to do the that. The match really. for me that changed everything is actually uh, Shinobu Kandori versus Akiro Kudo. It's a match from 93, and it's not pretty. It, it's, it is vicious. The first move of the match... Akira knocks out Kandori, and she stays down for a while. The second part, Kandori almost breaks Akira's arm. And then they go into a battle where it's just slaps and hits and big moves, and they fight outside, and there's blood. And that's where I'm like, wow, this is different. This is... And the crowd, the crowd, like, everybody, they're standing, and... You know how Japanese crowds are really quiet and they clap and they're very respectful. In this match, you see people holding their hair like with mouth open. And it's like, I was like, wow, it's it's so different from anything I have seen when it comes to women's wrestling. Like I said, it is not pretty. It is vicious. It is. And if you see me wrestle, my style is pretty much... You know, it, it, it's been that way. And throughout their year, it became even closer to that match. I mean, um, not necessarily needing the blood, but the intensity, the hits, the uh, make it count. Um, and it's, yeah, it's such a vicious match. <laughs> and, and I love it. And I love it. I watched it again this morning because it's been a while since I watched it because it's like a 40-minute match. It is so long. It's a but, tour de force. So this is your second. This is also your second match for your DVD, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, this is my second. Hey, match. look at that! Definitely, definitely. Watching it back this morning, um, what similar emotions did you get watching it this morning compared to the first time you watched it? In, in the end part of it, like the falsies, I was still like, "Oh my god! Oh my god!" Like the the 
excited to watch it and wanted to see more and actually feeling the emotion of, oh my God, she kicked out. Because you would think it's over, but it's not. And they're barely kicked out and you see they're exhausted. The way um, you can feel the, the pain, but them, the fighting spirit, you can feel everything in that match. I sometimes like you watch matches and there's a bunch of falsies, but there no there's no expression. There's just a kick out, but them you can see the pain. And I could feel it again this morning. And I'm like, man, you know, I have to go back to watching these matches because it reminds me why I'm doing this. Wrestling should be like a roller coaster of emotion that you take the crowd with you in and you make them feel pain. You make them feel your joy. You make them feel uh, that you're tired and everything. And this match, it, it has it. It's like I said, it's not a pretty match. Uh, it is not. But the intensity of it makes it like, to me, like very special. So to, to be watching that match and, and wanting to find your way in wrestling, did you find there was a disconnect when you were arriving as, as Luscious Lucy? compared oh to God, yeah. <laughs> the stuff that Hokuto was doing. In fact, it must have felt like a world away. It was because when I started, uh, well, I was the only girl in the class. And when I went, like I got there, like one thing that my teacher told me, um, I was I was taught by four local wrestlers in my own town. And one of them, his name is Pierre. He told me, you know what? It's hard for men but it's going to be even harder for you because you're a woman. And I want you to be aware of that. And I didn't know at this time. I'm like, oh, yeah, maybe he thinks because, you know, I'm smaller, it's going to hurt more. But no, like he meant physically, but emotionally. Like right from the start, I felt that no one wanted the girl to be there. And I had to work harder than everybody. And when it was time to get a new move in, I was the first one. It's like, I want to take it. I had to prove nonstop that I belong. And like, as years went by, like, I'm like, man, what he told me that first day, like it meant so much more than 17 year old stupid me <laughs> thought like it would be. And um, at first I started with him as a, a manager and I was going under the name Lucifer. And because he wanted me to feel the crowd and see how, you know, how to deal with them. And I was a heel and how I could like talk to them and they, they reply too. So I have to learn to be quick and reply back and everything. And one day we had to, uh, we had to hide uh, because there was an almost like a, um, a riot and we had to park far away because they would slash our tires and like it was terrible <laughs> but these are things i learned like pretty quickly and i remember the first opponent i had she wanted to do all those hair flips and hair beels and to me i was like no that's not the wrestling i want to do and that's where the okudo and the bolacano and everything came clashing and you're like you're thinking this too seriously. And right from the start, like I had kind of heat because like, no, that's not women's wrestling. We play with hair and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, no, that's not the wrestling I want to do. And if it was kind of unknown, you really had to be into tape training to know what was going on elsewhere. And I feel a lot of people didn't understand where I wanted to go with this. And they just thought it was difficult, but in my mind, 
you know, I had these matches. That's what I wanted to do. And yeah, the beginning was really hard to get my point across. Who were some of those people early on that did get it, though? Um, The first one, I would say, is Len Kojak Shelley. He's my second trainer. I moved to Montreal and I was training with one girl and it was always the same girl there. And one day he comes to me and he grabs my hands like, can I talk to you? I'm like, sure, sir. He, he, he had been wrestling for international wrestling and he had been training people along the way. And he's like, and then he tells me, Viviane Vachon was my good friend and I see her in you. And right now you are bored. <laughs> I was like, yeah, <laughs> I didn't want to say, but I'm like, yeah, I'm bored. Like there's nothing moving fast and I, they, they don't want to do the moves and they don't want to do and he's like, I know you're not difficult. You're just seeing a bigger picture than other people are right now. And I know because Viviane felt the same the same way. She was very frustrated that uh, they wouldn't take women's wrestling seriously for a while. I, I think it's the city of Verdun. It could have been Montreal. Maybe I'm mixing them up. They wouldn't let women wrestle. So she went down the streams with sign, Viviane wants to wrestle. And she's like... He's like, I see her in you so much in that same, you're so hungry. You're so want to, you, you want to do it. You want to do it right. You want to do it differently. And from that moment, I started training with his son, Eric Shelley. And Eric was on WWE for a short period of time when the first Cruiserweight tournament, and we're talking like in the 90s, um, he was in that tournament for the first Cruiserweight thing. So he was really, really good. So I've learned a lot with him. Definitely, he's the first man that got me and understood where I was going. This the um, the story of Vivian. Vivian wants to wrestle. You you kind of ended up sort of replicating that down the road. One of the one of the biggest matches you had was against all of Ontario. Yes. With, <laughs> um, the, it's it's an incredible story. And and again, when, and when you said there, Vivian walking down the street saying Vivian wants to wrestle. Like, I get it. I get why it there's echoed that. So this, uh, we'll jump a little bit in the timeline here because this was this happened when it was Ontario, wasn't it? That, that there was a lack of support for indie wrestling and there was a blanket ban on intergender wrestling. Yeah, the thing with Ontario, there was an athletic commission and every promotion had to pay for uh, the athletic commission. They had to have, need like licenses, insurance, insurance for the buildings, the wrestlers, every single wrestler needed to have a license every year, 75 bucks it costs, and it didn't bring us anything. And they were going by rules that I don't even know when they were written. But I think the one that I went against was like 1924, like very old. And it stated word for word, a man and a woman cannot be in the ring at the same time in a competitive uh, wrestling match. And it was the same for boxing. It was the same for um, anything that has to do with combat sports. And um, I've wrestled a few times in Ontario. There was no other girl, so I was wrestling the guys. And this, this is th- these are things I was already doing in Quebec. Because by 98, I already had my first cruiserweight championship. Uh, in 99, I was a provincial champion, all men, men championship. So um, I started to go to Ontario and I was wrestling the guys there and I was wrestling for a promotion called Hardcore Wrestling Federation. And I was I was doing hardcore wrestling back then as well. So I started in 99 doing the 
hardcore stuff in Quebec, moved to, uh, I, I didn't move, but I, um, I went to wrestle in Ontario. And for a while, there was nothing. And somewhere down the line, the commission learned that there was a girl wrestling guys. And I was announced for a match. I was doing a main event table death match in a tag team uh, where I was the only girl of the match. And the commission called the, pro the promoter. If it's like, if you're having her wrestle, I'm shutting you down. I'm taking off your license and you're going to be fine and everything. So I was like, the, the promoter calls me and it's like, I can't have you on my show. I'm going to lose everything. I was like, I understand. But then I hung up and I'm like, no, no, like, and it's, it comes from my background as well. I come from um, my family. My, my father died when I was very young. I was barely like one year old and my stepfather. And it, it's, um, I saw the Jake Roberts story. This it's like, mine's nothing compared to him, but it was the same kind of everyday, uh, you can't do this. You suck. You're too fat. You're never, you're never going to make it in this. This is for guys. What do you think? Oh, you're going to eat all this? You fat. So nonstop. So in my mind, when I was doing wrestling, when I started wrestling, it was like, I'm going to show you I can. It was like, it, it became a mission to show that women could do it too, could do it better to shut him up first. And then all the other guys that were telling me I could not do this because I'm a woman. So when this happened, it was the government in my head <laughs> acting the same way, stopping me from doing something because of my gender. And it pissed me off. And I was really upset and I cried. <laughs> and, but I was like, I'm very sensitive. <laughs> but I was like, no, I'm, I'm not, there's no way I'm going to accept this. On top of everything else I've been through, still going through, that people don't want me to be in this business because I'm a woman. And they tell me every day. So what I did is I did some research in the very uh, internet that was not like probably we we're running in 56K back then <laughs> to a phone line. But I did, I did a research and I found the phone number for the Ontario Human Rights. And I called them and I was like, here's what's going on. I'm a professional wrestler. I've been trained with guys. I've been doing this for, it was like five years at this point. And they are stopping me from wrestling guys but in the same time ontario is doing um move is, is filming movies where stump women and and are, are fighting and stuff i'm like what's the difference and then i the the woman on the on the phone was like oh there's a case here there's no way somebody can tell you, you can't do something because of gender so from that moment on she sent me a bunch of papers that i filed that i sent back Tons of papers to file, tons of phone calls. Uh, I didn't go to court myself, the Ontario Human Rights, since I was living in another pro province. They would go to court for me and represent me. And it took three years and a half or so, close to. And one day I get the call. Uh, you, you did it. They are going to remove the law that women cannot wrestle men in Ontario. And not only that, um, not only the commission removed the law, but the whole wrestling commission was taken down. Wow. Completely gone. Yeah. So they say the women's evolution was born in a 
a boardroom in Stamford. It was actually a courtroom in Ontario. That's it really <laughs> it's where it no, begins. Evolution is such a long process. It's over. It's years. Yeah, it's years. It starts. If you want to go back to Vivian, there's Vivian walking in the street asking for, you know, she wants to wrestle. I'm going to court for the women so we can fight the guys. And it was not really fight the guys. It's fight whoever I want. Yeah, it's not about I I want to justify men. I just don't want a cap on who I can fight. Exactly. I'm like, I'm an adult. I know what I'm doing. I I train for this. You're not going to tell me what I can do or can't do because I'm a woman. And yeah, so we go back to the evolution. There's this. And like I said before, I was already already winning men title in 98, 99. And I mean, Miss Jackie did it and um, other women along the way. And then promotions like, well, I went to CCW and I was the only girl. And I, 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 um, I went into the cage of death and I was the Iron Man champion. And then Shimmer in 2006 open. And from there, like... I always say that Dave Brazak doesn't get enough credit and he should get royalties from all the people saying like, oh, we, we, we build women's wrestling. This guy spent so much money and time on women's wrestling. And I think his name should be known everywhere because mm. um, he's the one um, that had the vision of, on a bigger scale that women could have their own show and women could be the stars and women could go in matches that are longer than two to five minutes like and um from there you know after there's shine there's wsu there's uh there was Soraya knight in uk who always did things for the women there's um um uh, madison eagle in 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 australia and of course there's japan mexico women's wrestling it's it's everywhere it's like it's such a long process over the years like yeah women's wrestling did not um the revolution is a long process. It's not one thing that happened. And then it's, 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 it's a bunch of women here and there that were not working together, but had that fire to change things that made it what it is today. And it was, as you say, you joining combat zone wrestling as the only woman there uh, beating as he's now known Kevin Owens for that Ironman championship. That must've been, um, I, I know your, your time with CZW is quite fraught, uh, but but that match with, with Steen slash Owens that night must have felt special. I think my old run there, uh, CZW was sold um, years after, but when I was in CZW from 2006 to 2009, it was John Zandig that was there, and he was the boss, and when I first got there, I, I think he didn't take me seriously. It's like, oh, there's a girl who, do, who does hardcore. It's kind of cool. Puts me in there. And then when he saw my first match, he's like, I remember he's like looking at me and going, hmm. <laughs> That's all he did. Hmm. hmm. <laughs> and from then, like, I think he started believing in me. I always say that John's ending believed in me a lot more than I did. And he sent me against people like, b-boy and and sammy callahan and nick gage and i even wrestled zandig in the cage of death and uh my god i'm forgetting like adam flash so many names that were established there and he gave me the championship at first it was like kind of a a joke like oh who's the next champion and kevin goes hurt (laughs) and zandig same thing like oh yeah and he got like he was seeing something i was not and it's because of people like him that I think 
things for me, I think from that moment became a lot better because he got me and, you know, people were still saying, oh, guy, girls should not wrestle guys. And I remember when I won the belt, this company's going down, but actually things went up <laughs> like, so, and, and, and it worked so good. And my God, I, I had a great reaction at, at, at CZW and I'm all, I've always I will always be grateful for him to see that in me and all the, the guys there willing to work with me. B-Boy, I, I cannot say like enough good stuff about him. When I when he learned that we were going to wrestle, he came in with, he was excited. He had so many ideas. He had new moves for me. I'm like, wow. I was like, yes. And it's like along the way, I was lucky that throughout all this negativity, of guys that didn't want to lose to the girl, didn't want to fight the girl, didn't like, there's people like him in Canada, like Tyson Dukes and stuff was like, I'm going to wrestle the girl and we're going to make magic. And we did. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. A lot of the stuff that you've done is deathmatch style. Did you feel that maybe you were becoming typecast as a deathmatch wrestler or did you feel there was enough other stuff to keep you amused uh, i think i did for a while but when you look at the 25 year of career my deathmatch years are 99 to 2007 it's not that long it's just that i did a lot within those years yeah uh, i was <laughs> queen of the deathmatch king of the deathmatch i did the king the the cage of death um, I fought with the likes of Mickey Knuckles, Necro Butcher, uh, you know, all, all kinds of stuff. And people remember that because uh, it was not something usual to see a woman doing it back then. And it always makes me laugh when people think this is new. <laughs> like, you got to go back. There's, there's tons of stuff. <laughs> You'll be surprised. But the, the deathmatch part, obviously, is only a small amount then. Because we had, um, we had Nick Mondo on the other week. 
And and you you don't realise because you assume like with yourself that oh you've been doing like the deathmatch stuff for ages but it's so it's so violent and so loud it feels like longer like Nick Mondo's career was was half the length that I actually thought it was but he just packed a lot into that time did you work much with Nick no unfortunately when I got in he was already he was already uh, out done yeah unfortunately but I know the legend of Nick Mondo <laughs> definitely um and you're absolutely right when it comes to deathmatch wrestlers the career like I always say um what you do now will affect your your life in 10 years but y'all you don't know it mm. like it can shorten your career like quickly one bad bump on something that's placed the wrong way one bad cut one there's so many things that can go wrong i've always tried to be as safe as possible in that chaotic environment i would clean my weapons i would disinfect my thumbtacks people were laughing at me i was like hmm, i'm gonna be safe as much as i can <laughs> yeah what you say to be fair everyone's disinfecting their thumbtacks in 2021 and you were a trendsetter you were pre you were pre-covid <laughs> keeping the keeping the sanitizer industry in i know right <laughs> but and i would like right after my death matches i always had uh, a bottle of peroxide and i i would sit down on the floor and i would say to someone okay and then they would just pour it on me Oh, it's wow. Burning and people were like, you're nuts. Yeah, but I'm not going to get anything. And of course, I would heal quickly. I would like I took care like of myself as much as I could. Like people thought I was nuts or they call me like, a, <laughs> well, the word they use is a pussy. But <laughs> <laughs> I, sorry, what, what a world to live in when you're the one pouring peroxide on you. Oh, you're the pussy. Yeah, <laughs> I am. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I'm like, no, I, I'm just clean. Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> the, the peroxide thing, I, I mean, I'm fascinated to know. Is, is that a common thing post a death match? Or is that something that you looked up and thought, this seems like the right thing to do? Is uh, that? I've seen, I've seen other people do it. Or sometimes I would go like, do you want some? <laughs> do a little bit, I'll pour it on. I'm like, turn around. and <laughs> I would even bring, if we were in an inside venue, I would even bring... Uh, garbage bags to put on the floor so I wouldn't mess up anything. Amazing. And I would sit on it and like, pour this. <laughs> I appreciate the, the, the attention to cleanliness from deathmatch wrestling. Yes. It's, it's <laughs> less a thought about. The peroxide thing is just, that's that's really surprised me. Um, you, you came quite close to, to calling it a day in 2007 uh, with a back injury. Uh, has that been a bit of a recurring theme whereby, because you, you push it so much or you pushed it so much during that deathmatch period that there was more than one occasion where you went, yeah, this is this is probably it now. Oh, I mean, the, every time I'm like, what am I, why am I doing this? Like this <laughs> happens every week. <laughs> but seriously, yeah, when, when the, um, in 2007, um, I did both uh, death matches. Uh, no, actually, it was after the King of the Death match with Necro Butcher. My back was messed up, and one day I was like, I can. I had a hard time getting out of my car, and I'm like, oh man. So, uh, and I was actually Iron Man champion, and I had to give back the championship. I have to forfeit because I was so in pain, and I'm like, I don't want to call this retirement, but I don't know how long I'm gonna be out like my, my body's telling me you need a break right now at this point I had been wrestling for 10 years but full speed non-stop 
every weekend, two or three matches, including death matches, getting patched up the night, doing a, uh, you know, another match the next day, um, a regular or another death match doesn't, you know, um, and I just kept going. And yeah, that was just my body's like, whoa, it's been 10 years of you wanting to prove people when you want to prove people wrong, you kind of, I feel you're a little less smarter because all you see is, oh, I'm going to prove to you that like, instead of being, oh, maybe I shouldn't do this because, you know, I need to wrestle next week. And um, you, you're you not as much self-aware. And I think I was blinded by that too much. I would never say no to a move. I would take everything. Yes, yes, no problem. I didn't want people to call me. Uh, like that oh, you don't belong or she's scared she's just a girl it's like no they're not gonna say that and i made some decision that knowing what i know now mm. <laughs> i would have definitely it's like no <laughs> definitely um but yeah uh so yeah that back and it took it took seven months and after seven months i was feeling pretty good but i was so concerned that something else would happen that I started to wear longer gear and I, I had found online it was like a gel pad that uh, figure skaters are using to protect their spine when they're practicing their jumps if they fall on ice it protects their spine so I found that thing and I would have like I had a corset made with that pad in that I would put underneath just to make sure I had that extra padding so my back would be all right and then after a few matches and stuff I was like okay i don't need it anymore so i i just took it off but i was careful on the way back to make sure i was you know a little bit smarter <laughs> i learned a little bit from that injury so do you think then it's quite obvious question this but do you think then had you not had that not not chip on the shoulder as such because that always got that's got negative connotation um that that desire to not be seen as to be seen as anything less than one of the boys or one of the gang mm -hmm. Had you not had that, do you think you might have taken it a little bit slower? Do you think you might have taken a little bit less on? I I don't know because it goes back to Japanese wrestling. The way they wrestle is so much more intense, uh, faster. Uh, the hits are like everything is – and the, it's the style I like – I like when it looks like a fight. I don't like when it looks like a dance. I want to feel if I'm there, I'm also a fan. So I, I go see, I, I, I go see shows and I watch a lot of wrestling and I want to, I want to believe. So if you're going duck, duck, flip, flip, duck, duck, move. I'm like, Ugh. I get bored. Give me Walter. Bam, bam. <laughs> I'm like, hell yeah. That I like. I like those kind of matches where, yeah, the hits, everything is strong, everything's solid. And it's my wrestling style. It's what I like. And I, I know it's probably, it's not for everybody. It's like, a, like I said, I don't like anything that looks like a choreograph too much or, mm. or flips or that's like, I love great cruiserweight wrestling. Um, but I, I like it in a way where, um, it's not just that. And that's why I love somebody like Jonathan Gresham. He's going to do those flips and springboards here and there. 
but everything else in his package, the way he reverses stuff and his technical abilities and everything, the way he mix up everything, I think he's one of the best in the world, if not the best, because he can do everything. And it looks so easy. <laughs> it looks so easy for him. Um, but yeah. Um, Who else is on the scene at the moment that you, you're really enjoying? Because obviously you mentioned Gresham there. You and Jordan Grace are Team Pog, his partner mm -hmm. and yourself, Team Pog. And I know you've got a lot of love and a lot of time for Jordan Grace. And you guys just mesh beautifully together. Yeah, like, we have such great chemistry, and still today, there's not a day that goes by where someone is not angry, <laughs> either tweeting or is sending me a private message. Why the hell you're not on Impact with Jordan? That's the team we've been waiting for, and like they're really vocal about. It. <laughs> and yeah, I love Jordan, and I've known her since she was like 17, and I've seen her grown into a magnificent athlete and a beautiful woman and she knows what she wants and she she's you know she's she's strong mentally physically i i love that she's different um and i she looks like a wrestler i mm. love women who look like they can kick your ass and fight and i think it's a little bit of thing something that's missing it's I don't get me wrong. We need beautiful girls. We need beautiful guys. We need people who are like extremely fit. But we need those people. Like I mentioned, Walter. You see Walter in the streets. You're like, this guy could kill me. <laughs> <laughs> I like those type of 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 wrestlers, and that's why. Like when you look at Jordan, it's like, yeah, she could punch me in the face, and I could I would go down. <laughs> like, and that's the type of wrestlers I really like. And besides, uh, of course, there, I love Josh, Josh Alexander is tremendous. I've wrestled him and I watch him and he gets better and better every year. And Josh Alexander, someone had so many setbacks. He broke his neck. He had immigration problems, which right now I'm relating. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and he's he's a fabulous human being and father and everything. So I love I love looking at Josh. I love another Josh, Josh Woods. Um, Josh Woods from Ring of Honor, the way he wrestles, really shoots style, um, very powerful. Um, he, he, yeah, he's one that stands out for me in the new guys, newer guys, I would say, that I really enjoy. You mentioned um, Josh Alexander's uh, immigration issues there, and obviously it leans into something that you're going through at the moment and and we've kind of ended up you know we'll pull back the curtain on this um this is going live less than 24 hours after we introduced ourselves to each other because uh it just when it seems like things are getting back to normal like life can throw you just some nonsense so so talk to us what's been happening lavissa talk to us about it what's been happening so the thing with uh, a lot of people are not aware that um, not only Canadian wrestlers, but uh, international wrestlers are not allowed to wrestle in the United States without a visa. Now there's like loopholes. I mean, it's it's very complicated. We're talking about immigration. If you're fairly new and you're more, you're seen more like an amateur um, wrestler, there's ways. Like they'll, they'll let you in or there's stuff. But as soon as you... Um, they can Google your name and you're on TV shows, internet TV shows, posters, and you're, you actually have a name. Mm. Then you become an entertainer and um, 
they see you the same way they see WWE wrestlers. So that's where there's there's a big difference. And you need a visa. You can't wrestle without a visa. Now I've lived in the United States for over five years and I had a green card and I had other type of visas because I was working there. As a, I'm also a graphic designer. So that's what I do. I do that for a living as well. So I was working there as a graphic designer, lived there. So um, of course they have a file on me because I had immigration papers before. And right now, I, since I'm back to Canada, because I moved back, um, I moved back actually after I had, I had cervical cancer and it was trying to come back. And it cost me over $10,000 to get the treatments and everything in the United States. And when it tried to come back, I was like, I can't do this. I'm like, I, I'm still really in debt when it comes to medical bills. So I went back to Canada so I could have my health care back. And now everything is fine. Like it's, it, it didn't come back. Everything is cool. And, but I, you know, I'm, I'm staying here because it's safer. And with, with the healthcare and everything in the United States, you, you can have insurances, but when you're in, when you're um, a resident and not a citizen, the prices are like ridiculous. They wanted to charge me a thousand dollars a month for insurance, Jeez. and they would not cover cancer because it was a predetermined. It's like a car, and you have a deductible, just like a car, but you're a car. <laughs> it just <laughs> so, seems so. Like, it seems just so um, inhuman to describe it like that. But it's true. Like it's yeah, it's, it's it, it, yeah. And we honestly, we take it for granted over here, and as oh you do in God. Canada, that that you know over here, like health isn't a commodity. Like over here, I, like I would, if I if I if I fell down the stairs in in ten minutes time, I'd be my health care would be taken care of. Like and and we we take that for granted. And there's you know I don't get into the details about people trying to bring that system down, but we are so we are so lucky, especially during a flipping pandemic, to have had that. As is Canada. To have had that system yep. in place, you know, we're so lucky when to you have don't, it. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Exactly. You take it for granted. Mm. As long as you have it, you're like, oh, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm paying taxes and blah, blah, blah. And you complain. And but when you lose it and things like that happen, cancer, or I've seen people who had heart attacks that had like over $100,000 in medical bill. So I always do the bad joke of you have a heart attack and then you have another one when you get your bill. It's yeah. terrible. So it, it made me appreciate what we have here so much because, you know, I actually, I fell down the stairs in 2009 and messed there up you my go. knee. And I went to, and just to tell you how much like my, my point of view and everything has changed. I went to the emergency and it took 10 hours for my knee and I didn't mind. I'm like, somebody's going to see me. They're mm. going to take care of me. And I'm not going to go back with a bill so big that I can't afford it. Yeah, I will exactly. be taken care of and they'll make sure I'm good. And I'm seeing the same doctors now for my knee. Sees me every four months to make sure I'm good. And like I'm I'm in the system right now. And it's 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 priceless. Yeah. Appreciate it. Once you lose it, like, oh, like I can't. That's why I like I, I really love my country now that I've been away. I see the little things I was taking for granted yeah. and that's definitely one of them. And to go back to immigration. Um, so if I want to go back to the United States, I need an entertainment visa and I've been looking at it and I, 
just long story short also there's there's like three bigger promotions that sent that i had contact with and they all asked me the same question what's your visa situation i'm like i used to have a green card i don't have it anymore mm. and i can't get an entertainment visa by myself you can't it's 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 not like hey what one beautiful thing about the uk if you go to wrestle the uk promoter can get you a license for three months and it's affordable Oh, it's it's, it's horrifying in the UK. I think at the point at this moment in time, if I wanted to set up a wrestling company, I could probably get it done by midnight. I shouldn't be allowed to. I don't know anything, but I shouldn't be like, but I can. I'm going to come to this house, set up a company. I've got a mate. I can rent a ring off. I know enough wrestlers. We could put a show on. It's I shouldn't be allowed to, Lefisto. I shouldn't be allowed to. Well, if you look at the bigger picture, maybe, but if you look at just immigration, yeah. But in terms of that, yeah, you know, it's it's simple here's here's my credentials i'm a wrestler I, i'm paying i think it's 125 pounds i could be wrong and things change so quickly and in, in um in, when it comes to migration but it, it's it's affordable and you can go there you have a three-month visa and then you, you know you can go back and forth with that visa for three months it's but in the united states you need to fill um it's it's called the i-129 form there's 36 page you need a sponsor you need um when you're a wrestler if you wrestle for a bigger company they can file for you easily and they go for the, what they call the p1 visa which is an international renowned company blah, blah, blah. if i do it by myself and that's what i was trying to do i found an artist agency that could put everything together for me but i still needed a someone a united states citizen or company to sponsor me it's $3,900 just for the filing fee. I have to pay the immigration 460 If I want my visa quicker, it's 2500 more. And then I have to pay for some union stuff because I'm going through an artist agency, which is $300. And it's, it is so complicated. And, you know, they looked at my stuff and I do have everything to go and get the what they call the O-1 visa for the extraordinary individuals, which means you do have credentials. You do have proof that you're renowned around the world, that you did some TV stuff. You're in books. You need all that. If you don't have that, you cannot even apply for this. So I can, but the price is just nuts. And with immigration, they could say, Oh no, and <laughs> then you lose your money. Even though you so paid all that, that's all just gone. You paid no... all that, you went through the whole process of getting all your stuff together. So it's very, very complicated. So yeah, as, as soon as you're known in the United States, if you go and you cross, you're an illegal. There's wrestlers that have been arrested, banned from the United States for five years, and now it is seven years. When you're 20 years old, you probably don't mind. When you're my age, I don't have time. No, there's there's I have I feel I have a lot of time left in wrestling because I can do way a lot more than just wrestle. I can be an agent. I love training. I love agent is really my thing where I put together matches with. I love that. That's to me. It's like it's as satisfying than wrestle myself when I look at them and they're like, oh, yeah, that's you know, we're creating magic here. I love it. But yeah. I don't have time to get banned at the border. When I go through for wrestling, it needs to be sure that I'm going, you know, there's not going to be a problem. So I absolutely need that visa. And the, like, yes, I can get it. I, I could try to get it with the agency, but the price is absolutely 
ridiculous. And everything I had saved went to my cat. <laughs> my poor cat. Uh, she had surgery on both eyes. Yeah. Oh, bless her. And, how is the yeah, how is the patient I, today? Is she okay? The patient is right next to me, sleeping in a little bed with her little cone of shame. <laughs> but she's good. She's good. She's been. She started eating. She's she she purrs. So we're getting there. We're getting. Is she, there. Is she keeping the sight in the eyes? Is that looking good? Is that so far? Yes. Amazing. That that was the whole point about it. Because if we yeah. didn't get the surgery, she would lose her eyesight, and it was in both eyes. Yeah. So I was like, I have to do, she's only two years old. So I was like, I have to do something. And I don't have children. They are my babies. No, they I get that. They are my that. babies. So okay. I was like, they will come first for everything, you know. As, as, a, as a fellow as a fellow cat lover, like, I get it. I get it. If, if any of that with Pablo, I'd be like, right, that's priority now. Nothing else. Yeah. So I, so I do get it. I do get it. But I'm glad, I'm glad that she's comfy. I'm glad that she's sleeping in her code of shame. That's good to hear. Oh, yeah, she is. <laughs> but it just, it's just, it's. One of those things where it puts you back to square one, then doesn't it? If you had all this money saved, ready for the trip. Square one, and um, one thing, uh, my light just went out. Uh, one thing that's really, really frustrating is that um, Americans can come to Canada to wrestle on as long as it's it's not something long term. What's called uh, a free exchange thing going on for could be for food could be for um there's even certain jobs that you can go back and forth just a little paper you can get pretty easy for 50 bucks whatever but when it comes to entertainer you need that paper that is extremely hard to get and you need uh and very expensive an american wrestler can cross the border wrestle on weekend make money go back and having no problem and it's even on the canadian immigration website that we can that they can um, the only rule is that you can't come to Canada, live there for six months, wrestle and go back. It has to be like a back and forth thing. So you can come every weekend if you're an American, make money and go mm. back. No problem. The other way around is not true. Just seems, just seems so backwards. And that's where there is a major problem. And yesterday I was answering a fan on Twitter and I even tagged Justin Trudeau or Prime Minister. <laughs> I said, this is something you guys need to work out because it works one way, doesn't work the other. That's wrong. And But I tried to get to the U.S. government and I sent letters. I never had replies. And I'm, I'm like, I'm, we're probably last thing on their mind and i get it it's like oh wrestlers um but it wouldn't just yeah. be wrestlers though would it it would be this is yeah, this is a whole number musicians. of others yeah yeah it's the same way same way for musicians they can't go and play in a bar um in in uh from canada because and that's something that really is it will sound stupid and i feel sometimes the border people don't know exactly the rule all the rules they have different versions of it depending mm. on who stops you um, cause I got stopped a while ago in 2000, I want to say 2009, we were actually going to train at the Shakara Dojo and we were also doing the show. And when you calculate the money it takes to take, you know, go down there, which is a 10 hour drive, plus the food we're going to spend, plus everything. We're actually giving a lot back to the United States. More than yeah. You're putting a lot back their way. But the guy at the border stopped us and we're like, well, we're going to train and then we're going to wrestle. And he's like, yeah, but people are paying to get in. It's like, yeah. Oh, okay. So you're stealing the job of an American. I'm like, what? 
they took pictures of us, they took our fingerprints, and they kept us for four hours. For four young, like we were young men. <laughs> for four young wrestlers who just wanted to go out there and get a chance and learn and wrestle in front of a different crowd. So there's, and then sometimes you cross and there's no problem. If you're newer, it's like, oh, we're going there to a school. Oh, okay, fine, no problem. So it's, it's, there's misinformation for everybody. And, but yeah, if you're, if you're an international talent, you can get stopped. You're, they consider you illegal if you do not have a paper. And yeah, if you're like me and you Google my name and there's like 50 things, <laughs> you do not even try. So, I mean, we're hoping this is something that, you know, we're putting the word out there, whether Trudeau's listing, whether people were looking for, really, really, we were looking for Justin Trudeau to dip in and have a listen, right? <laughs> somebody from the US government, certainly somebody who could sponsor uh, a wrestling legend to come and do do her thing in, in stateside, would 100% that as well. So if, if you match any of those descriptions, Justin <laughs> Trudeau, looking at you... Uh, <laughs> reach out at, at Coltaholic or at Lufisto on Twitter and uh, and Justin while you're there what three matches would you watch while stranded on <laughs> I don't know well, <laughs> he might not he, he might not like you know I feel like I feel like I feel like he's a cal- I feel like he's a he's a Canadian stampede in your house guy I feel like he's one of them maybe <laughs> he's gonna be one of them and he's gonna be one of I them I think he likes hockey but uh, the Canadians are winning right now. The Canadians are like going to the cup. So here it's like crazy. People going around with Canadian flags. And, and, and it's a special one as well. I think that like the, it's the first bit of sport in the new world, isn't it? With everything getting back to normal. And yep. there is that, that special energy. Like there was a packed crowd at the snooker the other night in the UK. And I was just like, I think people just want to get out and just be oh in places God. like that and see the sport. Yeah, and I I don't care what they say. If they win, I'm I'm, pre- I'm telling you right now, the streets of Montreal are going to be packed like there's no pandemic. It's like, it's, <laughs> yeah, they go nuts. They go nuts. There's there's a guy yesterday. And there's a picture going around, and I'll try to tweet it. He grabbed one of those street cones and walked like this, uh, going out of the like it was the Stanley Cup. Amazing. That's like that's Montreal for you. <laughs> what a guy! Oh yeah, please find him. I want to see him. Let's uh, let's do your third and final match then, Lefisto. So we've had Brett and Owen from WrestleMania 10. We've had a belter uh, featuring uh, Akira Hokuto that that is that's, that changed your world really. So what would your third and final one be? The third and final one I chose is actually a recent one, and I chose Jonathan Gresham versus Tracy Williams which is the final of the pure tournament of the ring of honor. Um, well, the pure yeah, tournament for the championship that they brought back. And I chose this one because um, it's I for the pure tournament as a whole, for the simple reason that it's really what got me into watching wrestling again that much into the pandemic. Cause I felt that ring of honor did it right. Um, you know, with the pandemic, with no people in the crowd and no um, uh, people were trying with with fake noises. And I, I actually kind of like what AEW did and put the wrestlers around. So there was, you know, reactions. Some organic stuff, noise. Think, yeah. Yeah. Some noise that's real. <laughs> mm. But I think Ring of Honor is the one that 
took this pandemic by, what'd you say, the bollocks? By the bollocks. <laughs> by the Grabbed bollocks. it by the bollocks. <laughs> and used it to their advantage. So the way it is, and it's so sport-based, like, oriented, and it's all about the wrestling, that you don't need a crown. And they made it work with the rules of you can only grab the ropes uh, four, uh, three times. And I love that you cannot use a closed fist. You have one. If there's two, there's a disqualification, 15-minute time limits. Uh, I think it's 30 or is it 60 for uh, the finals. And... I just love the way they work with this pandemic and kind of renewed the whole company as a whole. And uh, they brought like um, stables like the foundation and we're going to bring back, you know, honor and wrestling. And I, I just feel they were so smart about using something negative and creating something beautiful and positive and bring back wrestling to um, its basics. As much as, you know, there's, we always say there's new school, which is a name I don't like, uh, new school and there's the old school wrestling. Old school wrestling will always work. No matter what, if you go back to the basics and you, you can, you bring this and you apply it to your work of today, you're going to get a reaction. It, it, old school wrestling will never die. It is the, not to make a, <laughs> a you know, but it, it, it's the foundation. It yeah. is the foundation. And the way they worked it, and this match is so good because the reversals, and as I was saying a little bit earlier, the way Jonathan Gresham can go from a different style to another, and they're selling. Um, if they work a body part, the whole match, they're going to, you know, you're going to feel the pain because they keep holding it and the, the arm is, is, is still like almost slim because it hurts so much. And the way it was worked is brilliant. And um, this match is so good. So, yeah, I can watch it over and over again and I'll still find new new stuff that I haven't seen before because it is so detailed. It's uh, it, it's the great to see the pure wrestling title back as well as mm. like there was something and again like you say it's Ring of Honor going back to their roots and and in doing so they've been able to embrace this awkward realm that we find ourselves in with no mm. crowds I think they've done it they've done it especially good is there any like I know you watch a, a lot of wrestling you watch a lot of Ring of Honor as well and and Jonathan Gresham proudly represented as pure champion is there any anybody else that you can see who would be a, a suitably excellent pure champion? Well, I think eventually Josh Woods, like I said, I think he's, yeah. you know, he's known as the, they call him the pure beast. Uh, yeah. So he's, he's going there. Definitely. Um, Tracy Williams is one. Um, my God. Um, I mean, it would be nice to see Jay Lethal get, get it again since he had it in the past before it was retired. Yeah. There's so many, yeah, there's so many guys there that are so good. Uh, this week, we, we had Josh Wood versus Silas Young. And Silas can wrestle anybody, any style. So good. So good. And it would be different to see him as a pure champion, too. Um, but, yeah, that's yeah, they have great, great talent right now. Amazing. Well, they, there's your three matches. Uh, it's been amazing to talk to you and to to... to 
rattle off some of your stories to, to rattle off some stories like you know we i think we could genuinely talk for hours on stuff like this but <laughs> i'd lo- love to send tell people tell people then lufista where they can find you and and uh, the easiest to way you. to find me is on my website, lufisto.com. From there, you'll have all the links to my social media. Real quick, it's at Lufisto at Twitter, Wounded Al Lufisto on Instagram. I have a patreon.com slash Lufisto, and it's uh, facebook.com slash Lufisto, and it's youtube.com slash Luffy channel for uh, exclusive matches and all kinds of stuff on my YouTube page. And uh, where can people go if they want to be up to date with the clownery reunion? Like I just don't want us to. Oh no! (laughs) Don't deny us a clownery reunion. I might, I might. um, Once I'm more comfortable playing, yes, clownery reunion. Some guitar. I might add some uh, videos here and there of me playing, but that's gonna be it. (laughs) Oh, fine, fine. I'm really good at karaoke though, so when that when we can do that, maybe you could hear me sing. What's your karaoke? <laughs> what's your karaoke classic? Oh, uh, well, the last one I sang <laughs> before it closed, uh, uh, it was uh, "Prowler" by Iron Maiden. Nice. And uh, what else did I? Oh, "Heaven and Hell" by Dio. I really like. That one's tough sometimes. <laughs> I'd like to sing some Antrax. I love Antrax, oh. but it never happened. Yeah. If there's a, there, there's a, I presume there's a metal bar near you that basically has your face above the door on a karaoke <laughs> night. <laughs> Judas Priest just announced they're coming and they're selling tickets this Friday. And I'm like, no, I have so many bed bills. Don't do this to me. Oh no! Oh, I love Rob Alford. He's he's one of my adults. I love Rob Alford. He's Justin Trudeau. Boy. If you're still listening, uh, while we're on it, Judas Priest tickets as well. <laughs> Come on, Justin. Do the right thing. Do the right thing. <laughs> Let me see the metal god. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. For all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. 